0: pray for a moment lord thank you this morning truly you are what a savior and so we invite you now lord come by your holy spirit come and fill this place fill our hearts and our minds fill the gospel fill my words lord that we might see that we might see you and we might know you and we might rejoice in the goodness of who you are we pray in jesus name amen Amen. please be seated Well, today we begin a short sermon series called Trust Issues. And I want to begin by asking you a question. Do any of you have any trust issues when it comes to God? Now that got a big laugh and a big aha at nine o'clock. But I realize, and I've seen this over the last few services I've been to, some people aren't sure how to answer the question. Like, should I really be honest in church today? Some of you might be like, of course I have trust issues. Others are like, I got no trust issues at all. I got this thing nailed. I trust God. Well, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I struggle to trust God fully. I've known him a long time. I've been walking with him for more than 30 years and he has shown himself continually over and over and over and over again to be faithful. Beyond faithful. And yet sometimes my heart still struggles to trust him. Maybe yours does too. So we're going to be looking at a few of the things we're tempted to put our trust in apart from God. Not to be a downer, but with hope, with expectation. That God, the Holy Spirit, who will celebrate next Sunday on Pentecost, will come present, will be with us in kindness, in goodness, in order to lead us and enable us to trust him more fully and more deeply. I think there's a battery going off somewhere in the room. So if it's a hearing aid, like somebody nudge them, they probably can't hear the battery going off. And if it's a phone, just see if you can make that quiet. Now, we might as well start with the thing that Jesus says. This is Jesus' idea. The number one competitor with God for our trust. Everyone say the number one competitor. That's our money. It's our stuff, our material wealth, our possessions. Jesus says the number one competitor with God for our trust is money. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you're you're either going to trust and worship God or you're going to trust and worship your stuff. He sets it up as an either-or kind of thing. I think he does this because he knew what it is we do with our things, with our stuff, with our money has direct implications on whether or not Will be affected by heaven or hell. Where we'll end up. So in our gospel in Luke 12, Jesus is approached, right? He's teaching, the crowds are gathered, and as so often happens, somebody pipes up, right? Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. The guy wants Jesus to settle a family dispute, right? That has to do with the inheritance left by the parents. Now, what I love about the Scriptures, and there are many things, but one of the things I love is it's so true to life, right? This Bible story is the kind of stuff that happens all the time in real life. And as a pastor uh, living among the affluent, some of the most painful family arguments, the most painful family breakups that I've observed over the years have got to do with inheritances. Like, mom and dad do well financially. And through some combination of skill and luck and plain old hard work, their investments and their labor pays off. When they die, they leave a lot to their families and their families proceed to fall apart over who gets what and what's fair. And I want to get mine. So Jesus, well, he is willing to speak the truth and he's unwilling to get pulled into the dispute that's going on between these guys. But what he does is he says, look, I'm not going to serve as a judge or an arbitrator between you. But because of his kindness, because of his goodness, he gives the guy the key to know how to handle the issue that he's dealing with. He gives him what he needs for the problem. And then he turns to his listeners. He turns to his disciples and he turns to us. And what he says is that essentially this is a trust issue. You've got a heart problem that you've got to deal with. And it has implications for heaven or for hell. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, look out, guys, watch out. Be careful. I'm warning you. But this is not a finger wagging warning. Like he cares about us enough to say, hey, look out. He's actually using fighting terminology, right? Be on guard. It's what fencers say as two swords people gear up right, to fight one another. Take a defensive posture on guard because an attack is about to come. Jesus says, watch out for covetousness. Greed in its many forms is the issue That's the issue. Wanting more and more and more is the issue. Finding your value, your worth, your identity, your significance, your happiness, your security in what you have, in how much you have. That's the issue. That's why covetousness makes God's top ten list. In case you don't know this, it's commandment number ten. Everybody say it's ten. Number 10, but here's the thing. If you read the Bible and you discover every time they talk about idolatry or at least many of the times. Whenever they're talking about idolatry, they always talk about greed and covetousness. So what that means, guys. Is that it makes God's top 10 list twice. It's number 10. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. But it's also number two. Don't have idols. And greed and covetousness is at the heart of idolatry. Now, I'm no rocket scientist, and none of you are surprised that I'm saying that. But if it makes God's top ten list twice, we might want to pay attention. Now, for 20 years of pastoral ministry, I've had people come to me with some of the most heartbreaking, God-awful, damaging, sinful, hell-worthy things. I mean, some really, really hard stuff. And what I've seen over and over and over and over again is that the blood of Jesus Christ, the goodness and mercy of our God, the power of his name, the forgiveness that he offers is enough to cleanse and heal and forgive anything that we turn away from that we repent of and we trust him with. But here's the thing. In all of these years of ministry, I've never had one person come to me and say, you know what, Chris, I realize that I'm greedy. I've never had anybody come to me and say, you know what? The heart of my issue is I'm covetous, right? I'm a slave to making more and more. I'm not content with what I have. I'm most happy when I have just a little more. I'm only secure when I have a certain amount. I'm only really stable when everything is upward and to the right. Which means that either Jesus is totally out of touch with the human heart. Or we're out of touch with our heart's issues and with our own lives. Now, I'm pretty sure Jesus isn't the one who's out of touch. And what he knows is that when you start talking about these issues, when it happened, when he was there that day, and even now, like the defenses start to go up, right? The fortifications, like all these carefully laid things, like they start to rise up. And he knows that internally, what we're tempted to do is put our fingers in our internal ears and go, la, 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 la. It's going to be over soon. We'll get through this. And that's why Jesus is kind enough to tell a story at this point. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So Jesus paints a picture of wealth. And by the world standards, the guy's got it made, right? He succeeded. Now, catch this he hasn't done anything illegal. He's a hard worker. He's savvy. He's no slum lord. He's no drug dealer. He doesn't cheat his employees. I mean, in the Bible, right here, we have a picture of the American dream. He's hit the big time. He's made it. And now it's time to enjoy, relax, take it easy. You got this. And God calls him a fool. Now again, I go back to the fact that I'm no rocket scientist, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you want to hear from God. Verse 20, God says, You fool. This night your life is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus is saying that We're all going to give an account. And it's what you do with your stuff. It's what you do with your wealth, your money, your goods, what you have that most clearly shows God where you put your trust. Let that sink in just for a moment. See, the guy's problem is not that he's wealthy. The Bible never says you you can't be wealthy. I mean, think about Abraham, the father of faith, was a very wealthy man. So the Bible doesn't tell us it's wrong to have money. The guy's problem, though, is just how incredibly self-referential he is. right? He can't see from where his riches come. And he doesn't realize that it was God who blessed him richly. It was God who gave him soil and rain and sunshine and the gifts and the abilities and the willpower to work hard to make those things profit for the investment to grow. That's the problem. Like, God's the one behind the bumper crop of his life, not him. But with this guy, it's all about himself, me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 my crops, my barn, my grain, my plants. my soul. And he's got no clue that at, at the core of his being is, is a trust issue. It's a heart issue. He doesn't trust God. And what's the proof? Well, the proof is the way he lives. He doesn't give to God first. He doesn't tithe. He doesn't give God 10%. He doesn't give to the poor. He doesn't see the needs of others and respond to them. He doesn't plan for eternity. He's only focused on the now. He he doesn't ask God routinely, regularly, yearly. How do you want me to manage what you have given me? The Romans had a proverb which said that money's like seawater. The more a person drinks, the thirstier they become. It's got that effect. It's got that draw. Now, why does all of this matter? Why is Jesus meddling with this poor guy? Why is he meddling with us today? Because he came to give us a hope and a future. He came to forgive us. He came to set us free through His resurrection. He rose so that we could be free. And He gives us the abundance of Himself, His Holy Spirit, so that we don't have to live from a have-to with God, but we can live from a get-to with God. A place of freedom to join Him. To be free from covetousness and greed. So that... You and I and us can fulfill God's plan for our lives. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's inviting us into. You actually get to be a vessel of God's kingdom purposes. And and that's why at the second Corinthians verse that Jay read for us. It says we become generous in every way. See covetousness has a way of drowning out generosity in every form. So that you are no longer generous with your words, generous with your thoughts, generous with your attitudes toward the people in your home, the people in your family, the people in your job, the people who are different from you. Are your words, your thoughts, your actions, your approach to the people around you and not just the people you like, but the people who are different from you who have different political views, different races, different economics, different social values, are you generous toward them in your heart? Or do you find yourself judging and critiquing? Oh, you might not say it out loud, but it's kind of in there. That's actually an indicator of covetousness. That's a fruit of a heart that's actually very greedy. Greedy. You see, when you begin to learn to live from generosity, you discover what Paul tells us at the end of that Corinthians verse, that our giving, whether we're giving of our finances, we're giving of our kindnesses, we're giving of ourselves, that giving is actually a ministry. See, ministry isn't this. I mean, it is this, but ministry is something we enter into where God's power and God's life move through us for the sake of others. Giving is ministry, friends. And so many Christians sort of sit begrudgingly thinking, it's something I got to do. We got to pay the bills at the church, or, you know, oh, I got to hear this stuff again. No, no, no. It's ministry. It's a place that the Spirit of God moves and longs to move in your life and through you for the good of others. Now, that Proverbs 3 that Jay read is very short, right? If you back it up to the verse that probably, like if you know one verse in the book of Proverbs, you probably know Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps or make your path straight. You might even have a coffee cup that's got that verse on it. Right after that, it goes on to say this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Right? In in other words, don't just assume you've got this all figured out. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Then comes our verse. Honor the Lord with all your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Trusting God and honoring God are completely linked to the way we live our lives with the things that he gives us. We can say all day long, I trust God, I trust God, I trust God, but it's what you do with your stuff. Do you give him the first fruits? That's actually what shows you where the rubber is hitting the road. Of course, the great cry that the world has against us Christians is that we're hypocrites, and they're right, like I am many days Cause I could say one thing and do exactly the opposite and I'm guessing some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Catch this. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Now that doesn't just mean if I do my part, God's gonna do his part. I do X, he does Y, and I get more. Plenty means it's full of life and fruitfulness. It's full of goodness and the presence of the Lord. That's why it says, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Yes, it means literal wine. But if you know anything about the scriptures, wine is often a symbol for the Holy Spirit of God. The joy of the Lord. If your heart is locked up and not joyful, the issue might be covetousness if you're not seeing the overflow of the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the gifts of God, the fruit of God in your lives, and particularly joy, there might be a heart issue going on. It might have its root in a lack of trust related to your stuff. And because our God loves us so much, and He's so kind, He's willing to tell us the truth. The question is, Will we listen. Or la, la 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 make it stop. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now that word trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart means cling to him. Now I, I had a girl, girlfriend once a long time ago who was real clingy and I was like, "Wow." But like the Lord is like, "No, cling to me. Be clingy with me. Hold on to me." Trust me. But in order to trust the Lord, in order to cling to the Lord, you have to let go of the things you're already clinging to. And so the invitation is, test me and see. See if I won't do what my word says. You say you believe my word. Do you live it? Do you trust me? And if you are going internally today, oh, no. No. The good news with God is there's grace. And the power of the spirit is given so that we might live according to his ways. And in doing so, the world will be blessed and God will be glorified and thanksgiving will will it will abound all around us. How's your heart today? How are your trust issues going with the Lord? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I'm so grateful that you love me enough to tell me the truth. And I'm so grateful that that there's always a much more when it comes to you. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And yet, Lord, things clog our hearts up and block the flow of joy and limit what you can do through us, especially covetousness and greed so lord because you're good and merciful and kind and it's your heart and your will to make us free would you set our hearts free would you give us the courage to take a step in real life to trust you not only with our lips but with our lives and in your service whether we have much or we have very little may we trust you with what you've given us we pray lord For Jesus' sake and in His beautiful name. Amen.